May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father, through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, on his road to the cross. Amen. Some of you know this about me, but I'm a lot like Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially that scene in the plane when they're taking off of, I guess it's the Amazon River. Snakes. I don't like snakes. I hate snakes. I, I, I like snakes inside a terrarium, behind the glass at the zoo. I don't like being around them or even thinking they're around me. Today is the story, today's Old Testament reading, about a speaking serpent and what that means for the whole journey of Christ and the promise of salvation. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this morning as we hear from Genesis 3 and a little bit from Romans 5, two damning words and one great Promise. People God dearly loves. God's creation was good. No, it was very good. That's the word of God, Genesis 1 and 2. We can't grasp that, how it can be completely good. I can't grasp that. Perfect in every way. Animals and the first few humans living in harmony. No stings, no bites, no thistles, no poison ivy, no fire ants, no sin, no death. But something goes wrong, very wrong, in this very good world. And it's not defined, it's not explained in any portion of the biblical narrative. There is a rebellion among the angels. Some of those servant creatures, servants, excuse me, spirit servants, who won't accept the role and the status that God has given to them. So when the leader of the fallen angels shows up disguised as a snake, Adam and Eve are caught unaware. What does the devil do? He distorts, he deceives, he tempts with his first unholy recorded words in holy scripture. Did God really say? Wouldn't it have been better, much, much better, if Adam and Eve had not listened but run away? If God had told Adam and Eve, don't listen to talking snakes, if that were so, I wouldn't be preaching this sermon. Because this question, did God really say, brings doubt and uncertainty. And notice, Eve's reply to Satan adds something to what God has said about those two special trees in the middle of the Garden of Eden. For back in chapter 2, God had given innocent Adam these simple instructions. He said, He said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And innocent Adam accepted these words. He didn't say, this is really not what I wanted to hear about. He didn't say, why? He didn't ask, why not? 
and he didn't question God. What do you mean when you say die? Certainly Adam has told Eve what God told him. But serpent, Satan's tempting taunt, did God really say, trips her. And that's when Eve adds to what God commanded. She gets it partly right. She repeats the don't eat command about the tree in the middle of the garden. But Eve goes beyond what God stated and she adds, neither shall you touch this fruit or you die. This is precisely why the devil's next statement is so damning. You will not surely die. We have to affirm this. Innocent Eve and innocent Adam, standing naked next to each other, don't know what die means. Nothing and no one has died up to this point. No plants have died. No animals have died. No mosquitoes have been swatted. They must have tickled on the skin at first. It gets worse. The serpent goes on to say, This is why God doesn't want you to eat this fruit. He's deceiving you. He's hiding something from you. He doesn't want you to be like he is. So Eve reaches out to that fruit, which was, as verse 6 says, a delight to the eyes. She takes it, tastes it, and hands it to Adam, who has not reached out to pull Eve's hand back. They both eat. Their eyes are open to see what was already true. They are naked. But without sin, before sin, there was no shame. You will not surely die. Adam and Eve didn't fall over with sudden heart attacks, but they died. They died because their relationship with God died, and they would die physically. Now they cover their shame with fig leaves, and then when they hear the sound of the Lord moving through the garden, a sound which beforehand had given them delight, and they had previously turned toward him, now they turn away and hide, or attempt to hide. God's question, where are you, doesn't mean that God is losing the game of hide-and-seek. It means that he's inviting them to come back, to return to his favor and goodness, to know his mercy and his grace. But here's the surprise in Genesis 3. The damning statement of Satan is followed by a second damning statement. God speaks. God must speak. Here is what he says to the devil, to the deceiver. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And this enmity, this strife, this conflict will be between your offspring, those who follow you in your lies, and her offspring, her seed. Now notice, and notice well, the woman's offspring is singular. There will be one. There will be only one who will bruise the serpent's head even as the serpent lashes out to bring him suffering and pain. 
Here is the key to this rather unusual word of God. The second damning statement is also the one great promise. Genesis 3.15 is the proto-evangelium that won't be on the test, but it would be great if you remembered it. Proto-evangelium is the prototype, the very first declaration of the gospel, the original good news. What is bad news for Satan is very good news, the very best news for you and for me and for all the world. Listen again to how Paul speaks this truth in Romans 5, today's epistle. Sin came into the world through one man, through the first man, through Adam. And when there was sin, there was death. Satan lied All will die. All sin because of Adam and Eve's sin, and all die because of that sin. But Adam was a type, a pattern of one who would come into the world, and grace wins. There is a free gift, and this free gift abounds for many. It is for all, for you, and for me. Justification trumps condemnation. Righteousness triumphs over trespass. Yes, it will take death to defeat death. It will take the death of the holy, sinless, perfect Son of God to pay for our sin and our guilt. One man, the new Adam, brings life where there is death. He wins forgiveness for every sin. He guarantees life, life that is very good because we are in our Lord's presence. That's the truth for all who die with faith in Jesus Christ, crucified and raised. Sometimes we don't like what we hear. Sometimes we want to hear something different, something what we think would be better. Because in this broken and fallen and dying world, we too can be deceived. But the word of God here tells us that the promise is greater than the deception. The truth is greater than the lie. Our new life in Christ takes us to the new garden where we will live, bodies and souls united, in paradise restored in perfect harmony and fellowship with our Creator and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.